it comes to financial advice, you got to trust the source. It's why you listen to this podcast. When I'm looking to upgrade my wallet, I turn to NerdWallet. Their expert team of nerds dives into the details to help you find smarter financial products. Before NerdWallet, I'd pay for vacations with whatever was in my wallet, but I was missing out on miles I didn't even know I was leaving on the table. Now I've got a new card with more miles and more upgrades. What could future you do with more travel rewards? A hotel upgrade? Lounge access? Wherever you go next, make it happen with a smarter travel credit card. Don't wait to make smart financial decisions. Compare and find smarter credit cards, savings accounts, and more today at nerdwallet.com. NerdWallet, finance smarter. As with all cards, credit is subject to lender approval and terms apply. Hey, do you have trouble sleeping? Then maybe you should check out The Sleepy Podcast. It's a show where I read old books in the public domain to help you get to sleep. It was the best of times. It was the worst of times. It was the age of classic stories like A Tale of Two Cities, Pride and Prejudice, Winnie the Pooh, stories that are great for adults and kids alike. For years now, Sleepy has helped millions of people catch some much-needed Z's, start their next day off fresh, and discover old books that they didn't know they loved. So, whether you have a tough time snoozing or you just like a good bedtime story, fluff up the cool side of your pillow and tune into Sleepy. Unless you're driving, then please don't listen to Sleepy. Find Sleepy on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. New episodes each week. Sweet dreams. You're tuned in to the Investing for Beginners podcast. Finally, step-by-step premium investment guidance for beginners. Led by Andrew Sather and Dave Ahern to decode industry jargon, silence crippling confusion, and help you overcome emotions by looking at the numbers. Your path to financial freedom starts now. All right, folks, well, welcome to Investing for Beginners podcast. This is episode 159. Tonight, Andrew and I are going to take some time out and we are going to talk about some listener questions that we got recently. We've got some fantastic ones as always. And so we thought we would take some time and answer those on the air for you guys. So I'm going to go ahead and read the first question. It's uh, in two parts. So I'll go ahead and read the first part of the question and we'll answer that. And then we'll come back to the second part. So the first part is, hello, Andrew. My name is Tim and I started investing in January of this year. I've been listening to the Investors for Beginners podcast around episode 42 now and have been very grateful for the advice that both you and Dave have shared as it has helped me get a broad understanding of the stock market and the confidence to get my feet wet. I've also appreciated that I choose your podcast I chose your podcast and ebook to get started as all the metrics and strategy of value investing general makes sense to me. As a nerd who likes numbers, yay, uh, the ratios and rationale behind them make so much sense. So the first question is, uh, listening through the podcast so far, I have heard both you and Dave talk about the importance of setting trailing stops to stop your losses before they get too far down, which makes sense. At the time, I am 
27 years old and it makes sense to hold for the long term and to not buy and sell all the time. Both of these strategies seems to clash heads a little bit in the current environment of a stock market collapse. From what I have learned, I would think that the trailing stops are when the market is relatively stable and a stock is still hitting the trailing stop that you are talking about. Otherwise, everything you need to be sold and then the compounding of drip would not take effect. Also, I know that I have not actually lost money until I sell. Finally, from listening to some of the more recent episodes, it seems at times like those it seems at times like these that it is about whether you trust in the research you've done and choosing a good company. Is this the correct way to think of things or am I missing something? Andrew, what are your thoughts? Yeah, this is a really great question, Tim. So it, it kind of s- comes down to one of those ideas where it sounds really nice, but in practicality, it's not the greatest strategy, depending on how you're approaching the stock market. So this is something I covered in June, the June 2018 e-leather issue, where up until that point, I had split my portfolio into two sections. I had a regular portfolio section and a dividend fortress portfolio section. So the dividend fortress section never had any trailing stops. The regular portfolio ended up having those. I found as time went on that I was being forced to sell out of companies that I didn't want to sell out of. And for all of the reasons that you mentioned here, I mean, you lose the compounding of drip, you lock in that loss. And if anything, sometimes when a stock drops, it makes you want to buy more and, and you, you become more confident in that investment and not less. And so the trailing stop kind of takes a lot of your freedom away. So I think it's a good... It's a good way to kind of get some training wheels on when you're first starting out. A trailing stop, how it works in practicality is you have a certain percentage that you're comfortable with. And so basically it's setting this bottom for the risks you're willing to take. And then as the stock moves up, that trailing stop trails along with it. And that that floor, that risk floor continues up higher with it. And so you get to participate in all of the gains. And then if the stock turns the other way, you're able to get out and hopefully, you know, lock in the gain. Um, But at the same time, when you mix that with the value investing approach, what you'll learn the longer and longer you do value investing is that a stock that's beaten up can stay beaten up for a lot longer than you'd think. And a stock that's beaten up can get a lot more beaten up than you might think. And so, you know, sometimes that means that it does need some serious considerations and maybe you need to rethink your analysis, but, you know, a lot of times it doesn't. And so where in the past, you know, the first couple episodes we did mention the trailing stop, it was something I used for a part of my portfolio. It's not something I use now. I think somebody with maybe a more momentum or growth type portfolio might see more success with the trailing stop. Um, but coming from somebody who's really trying to buy value and, you know, at times that means buying beaten up stocks. I found that for my style, it, it, it didn't really work. And, you know, everybody's style is going to be different. Your shade of value might be different. So, it might be worth a try, particularly if you start now and if you think you like the sound of it, but I no longer recommend it 
in general for most investors if you're following a value approach like I am. I would agree with that. I think that's a great way to look at it. And I like the the comment that you made about the the shade of value investing. I think as Andrew and I have gone through this process of working together and teaching and talking on the podcast, it really has become more and more apparent to me that there are so many different shades of value investing. And you look at Warren Buffett and Charlie Munger and Ben Graham, Phil Fisher, a lot of those early mentors, pioneers, the people that really laid the groundwork, they really kind of set the tone for value investing, but it's evolved through the years. And the younger, air quote, younger generation has morphed it into different things. And everybody has just a different way of looking at investing and value investing in particular. And I think of somebody like Vitaly, or I think of somebody like Toby Carlisle, or I think of somebody like Guy Spear. And all three of those guys practice value investors. If you ask them, are they value investors? They'll absolutely say that they are, but they all have different ways of looking at it. And I, I, I like what Andrew is, is talking about with the, the trailing stops. And I agree with him. I think at the beginning, it's probably not a bad idea as, as a training wheel to help you mitigate some of the losses as you're learning more and more about the market and how companies work and how to value companies and what is really going to set one company apart from another. And I think as you learn more and more, you're going to learn to trust more and more of your analysis and your research that you do. And when you do find a good company, and for example, in this current market, a couple months ago, a great company could have gone down and you would have been forced to sell out of it and it would have rebounded you know not only what a month month and a half later depending on the company of course if it was something i bought it would still be down because that's just <laughs> me but that's a whole other conversation but uh, i guess the point being is that it can be limiting and as andrew was pointing out in his his conversation there are times where you're going to want to stick with a company even though it is going down because there are other mitigating circumstances that are causing it to fall like every business in the United States is being forced to shut down because of a pandemic as opposed to economic disaster where nobody wants to buy your clothes anymore. Now people aren't going to buy your clothes because they can't. So it's two different situations. So I I think at first having a trailing stop is probably not a bad idea, but as you become more confident and get your wings about you, if you will, I think removing that as an option is probably not a bad idea. Yeah, I like that. That's that's good advice. I, I can take the second part of this. So Tim continues. He says, I recently listened to the episode where you and Dave talked about different tax shelters. For my individual stock picks, I have an individual brokerage account, which I realize does not offer any tax advantages. Through my work, I can only contribute to a traditional IRA. So I am putting in at least the match on this. At the previous job, I was able to split my contributions intended toward Roth IRA, but I'm still doing a little bit of side work. So I cannot roll that IRA into my account yet, but hopefully soon. There might soon be an opportunity to start another Roth IRA account in the next few months, but that is not guaranteed. I know that I can open up my own Roth IRA through a broker. Should I bite the bullet and sign up for an individual one or wait a few months and see 
I understand that the sooner something begins, the more it can compound, but is that really what I am losing out on? Dave, what do you think? Uh, I think that, boy, that's a good question. I personally would open the Roth IRA as soon as possible and start investing in it. Uh, I guess there's no better time than the present. And what is that phrase? Uh, the best time to build a tree was 20 years ago. The second best time is now. And I, I think that now would be the best time. And if you have the time and you have the inclination to do it, I don't see any reason why you would want to wait because let's say that for whatever reason, we don't know all the circumstances around the other Roth IRA possibility, but let's say that six months goes by now and you aren't able to, to do it and seven months go by or 10 months go by, I guess biting the bullet and going ahead and, and doing it is going to force you to continue down the path that you are starting on. And I would encourage you at this point to do it. Uh, as far as the individual account, uh, unfortunately, there you don't you're not going to have the ability to roll it into the Roth or the traditional. Uh, if you want to continue it, obviously you can continue it uh, and just invest into the Roth IRA going forward, and then just deal with the tax ramifications of the individual account. Or you have the opportunity to sell those positions and rebuy them in a Roth IRA or something else if that's what you choose to do. But then, of course, you're going to have to deal with any sort of tax liabilities and also will lose out any sort of compounding with drips and any other opportunities along those lines. So those are some things you're going to have to weigh. And I can't tell you what to do. I, I could just give you, I guess, my guidance and my opinion. Uh, my opinion would be to start right away, open a Roth IRA and go from there. As far as the individual brokerage account, I guess I would talk to my accountant and see if that's something that he feels like Maybe in the short term, it would you know be a, a little bit of a bite to sell it and deal with any sort of taxes they may have to deal with and just move on and not have to worry about it any, any longer. And or you could just you know roll with it and just kind of go along with it as you go along, and eventually it'll be less and less a percent of your portfolio, and it won't really be as big of a consideration. And at that point, you won't really, really have to worry much about it. So I guess that'd be kind of my thought. Andrew, what are yours? Budgeting was always a challenge for me. I struggled to find the best way to keep track of all of my money, not to mention all the time tracking down receipts, cataloging expenses, and trying to figure out what went wrong with my air quote system until Monarch Money. Monarch Money allowed me to easily see what is going on with my finances, helping me get a better handle on my spending, budgets, and more. It's my go-to app every day, more so than my bank, because I can quickly see where I am with my budgets and spending, allowing me to invest more and spend time on the things that I want to do. It's my GPS for money. Monarch is the top-rated all-in-one personal finance app. It gives you a comprehensive view of all of your accounts, investments, transactions, and more. Create custom budgets, set goals, and collaborate with your partner. And now get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com beginners. Unlike other personal finance apps, Monarch's simple, intuitive design makes it so easy to set up, customize, and use. Monarch has built-in features to collaborate with your partner, family, or financial advisor. Invite them to your account at no extra cost, and they'll get their own login info and a joint view of all of your finances. 
Monarch is the most customizable budgeting app. Change the layout of your dashboard, toggle between light and dark mode, create custom budgets and notifications, set up automatic rules for transactions and notifications, and more. In fact, Monarch Money is one of the first to bring you direct Apple Card, Apple Cash, and savings syncing with the latest iOS 17.4 update. Now you can sync your wallet directly for seamless budgeting. After trying out Monarch for myself, I understand why it's a top-rated personal finance app. And right now, get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com slash beginners. That's M-O-N-A-R-C-H-M-O-N-E-Y dot com slash beginners for your extended 30-day free trial. When it comes to financial advice, you got to trust the source. It's why you listen to this podcast. When I'm looking to upgrade my wallet, I turn to NerdWallet. Their expert team of nerds dives into the details to help you find smarter financial products. Before NerdWallet, I'd pay for vacations with whatever was in my wallet, but I was missing out on miles I didn't even know I was leaving on the table. Now I've got a new card with more miles and more upgrades. What could future you do with more travel rewards? A hotel upgrade? Lounge access? Wherever you go next, make it happen with a smarter travel credit card. Don't wait to make smart financial decisions. Compare and find smarter credit cards, savings accounts, and more today at nerdwallet.com. NerdWallet, finance smarter. As with all cards, credit is subject to lender approval and terms apply. Do you want to know what it's like to hang out with MS-13 in El Salvador? How the Russian mafia fought battles all over Brooklyn in the 1990s? Or what about that time I got lost in the Burmese jungle hunting the world's biggest meth lab? Or why the Japanese Yakuza have all those crazy dragon tattoos. I'm Sean Williams. And I'm Danny Gold. And we're the hosts of the Underworld Podcast. We're journalists that have traveled all over, reporting on dangerous people and places. And every week, we'll be bringing you a new story about organized crime from all over the world. We know this stuff because we've been there. We've seen it. And we've got the near misses and embarrassing tales to go with it. We'll mix in reporting with our own experiences in the field. And we'll throw in some bad jokes while we're at it. The Underworld Podcast explores the criminal underworlds that affect all of our lives, whether we know it or not. Available wherever you get your podcasts. Yeah, I mean, I agree with that. And I like the idea of starting as soon as you can. You just don't know. If if the coronavirus taught you anything, it's that, which we've tried to talk about time and time again, you hear over and over and over again, time in the market beats timing the market. And so after the biggest drops is when some of the best recoveries will come. So it, it just makes sense over the long term to be invested as long as you can. And so I also agree with with trying to just get get as much money as you can in there now, you know, through some dollar cost averaging and making sure you're building diversification, all those things. The only thing I would add to it is that keep in mind that there's a max that you can contribute to an IRA every year. And that's, it goes for both the traditional and the Roth. So if you're contributing to the traditional on your employer match, make sure whatever that is, that there's still enough left over to, to put to the Roth. I, I would definitely max the match. That's what I would do too. And then if you're still allowed to contribute more based on what the IRA says, based on what the IRS says, then you can go ahead and, and contribute whatever is left to, to help you hit that that maximum that you can contribute for the year. I don't want to say what the number is because it changes every year. You know, the IRS has tended to bump it up as years go on, so that's a good thing. Um, so you know, I know people listen to this in the future. So just look up it's a 
easy Google search, look up what the contribution limits are for an IRA. And um, that way you don't get hit with a penalty or anything like that for contributing too much. That's a very good catch. And that's a great point. Uh, I would highly recommend that you do what Andrew was saying. That's a fantastic advice. All right, let's move on to the next question. Uh, hi, Andrew. I've been reading your content for a couple months now. I don't have any experience buying or selling stocks, but learning a good amount as I go through your stuff. I'm interested in the Activision Blizzard stock, uh, ATVI. At the moment, I don't have enough funds to buy a lot of shares, but is it worth it to buy only one share just to get started with investing? I have read some good things about the company and I noticed that the dividend payment has increased throughout the years. Anyways, thanks, man. Looking forward to hearing back from you. Dan. Hey, you. What's the best way to get started in the market? Download Andrew's free ebook at stockmarketpdf.com. You won't regret it. Yes. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that was going to be my advice too. Yeah, that's, uh, I would definitely agree. I would definitely encourage him to buy the company. Here's why you have to start somewhere and not always is your first choice going to be your best one. It could be a home run. You just never know. Uh, Andrew and I both happened to buy the same company, uh, when we first started investing and that was Microsoft and I have not bought it since, <laughs> but, uh, I did buy it at the beginning. Uh, I bought two whole shares and it spent a I think it was a, a whopping $70, I believe. Uh, I still own the stock, stock and it's gone up to $189 a share. So I made a lot of money on that two, those two stocks, but uh, it was a great place for me to start. And it, it gave me more confidence that, Hey, I can do this. Uh, it was scary. I'm not going to lie. It was scary. I was terrified when I was going to hit that, you know, buy button, but. It, I figured it's 70 bucks. It's, you know, it's a dinner, it's a bad dinner out and I could learn something from this. Little did I know where it was going to take me, but, uh, I definitely would encourage you to, to do it. Pull the, pull the trigger, bite the bullet, whatever acronym you want to throw out there. Uh, just go ahead and, and do it. And once you do it, you're going to feel a lot better about it. You're going to have a lot more confidence and you'll learn, uh, so much. Once you actually start buying companies, then it becomes real and the learning really, really begins. Yeah, I'm getting a bit nostalgic now just thinking about it. It it really was that that was like the big moment for me. Um, particularly there wasn't really anybody out there online telling anybody to just buy a share. So you know, I was being innovative here with this this crazy idea of buying just one share and, and nowadays it's not even one share you could buy like a tenth of a share you know if you if you're just really really cautious about getting your feet wet but you know i understand um it's it's uh kind of nerve-wracking to to put something where you don't feel like you know hardly anything about it but you know you're, you're gonna learn as you go and there's really nothing like having ownership in there having your feet in there and you'll be surprised how much you start to tune into the things around you and and it becomes more a part of your world and and that's when you'll start to absorb and 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 pick up things and learn things and you know you don't have to become Warren Buffett overnight I don't think any of us will be so you know have fun with it and try to stick with some decent principles and don't be afraid to like buy some crazy stocks too every once in a while it's you know it's not the worst thing in the world 
to to have experience in all sorts of ways in the stock market. So that yeah, that's what I would say to Dan, to Dan there. Sorry, what were you gonna say? Uh, I was gonna agree with you. I think that you, whatever it takes for you to to get started. I encourage you to get started. And even if you make it, even if you make a choice and the company ends up not being a good choice, it's okay. You're going to learn from it. I've learned from my mistakes as well. I know Warren Buffett has. We all make mistakes. There is no perfect person. There is no perfect investor. And you just have to look at it as this is my first step towards whatever goal it is that you have that's causing you to want to start investing, whether it's saving for retirement, you want to buy a house someday, whatever it may be. Once you start down that path, it's going to take you to better places. And the only way you can learn is by doing it. And if you don't step out there on that branch and take the chance, then you're never going to get where you want to go. And it just takes the first time to try and then you can go from there. It's it's really no different than anything else that we do in life, whether it's learning how to drive, learning how to ask somebody out on a date for the first time, uh, any of those kinds of things. Those are all terrifying things. But once you step out on a ledge and do it and realize, hey, I can do this and it's not so bad, uh, then things get a lot easier. It's it's the same thing with the stock market. So by all means, Dan, buy Activision, buy one share. If that's what you can afford right now, go for it. Do it. Love it. All right. I think we got time for one more. Yeah. Yeah, we do. Okay. All right. Hi, Andrew. I'm from the UK, so I wasn't sure if investing in US stocks was a good idea. What would be the cost for me? Also, as I'm 45, would you suggest a more aggressive approach to buy particular stocks to make up for lost time? Look forward to hearing from you. Kind regards, Christian. So that's a good question. So here's here's my thoughts. Uh, he's in the ballpark of my age range, so uh, I feel like I can maybe talk to to Christian a little bit about this. So here's my thought: you have to do what you're comfortable with. Now, I'm not saying that as a cop out. I'm saying that as you have to do what you're comfortable with. I am more comfortable trying to be a little more aggressive and putting more money in the stock market. There's different ways, I guess, of looking at aggressive. So let's back up for a second. So you can either be more aggressive by putting more money in the market than you would normally think you would want to do. The other option is you can be more aggressive by trying to find those companies that are going to explode and drive up your portfolio much, much quicker, latching on to the next quote unquote Amazon or Facebook or Google or whatever company you want to to make up. That's one way to do it. The other way to do it is to look at buying more conservative type companies, but putting more money in the, in the market. So let's say that you're you've been putting $100 in the market. Now you want to put in $400 a month in the market. If those are things that you can afford to do, by all means, do it. But I think that you have to balance what you're comfortable with. And I always come back to something that Charlie and Warren talk a lot about is they sleep like babies because they think about, they don't think about their portfolio when they're going to bed at night. Uh, you know, raise your hand. I'm raising my hand if you've ever struggled sleeping at night because you're stressing out about something. So, I don't want it to be your your portfolio that's causing you to not be able to sleep at night and being miserable the next day and taking it out on your significant other and your coworkers and everything else. So 
you have to do what's what you're comfortable with. And if you're comfortable with investing more aggressively, either with more money or buying more aggressive type stocks, then by by all means, go for it. But if that's not something that is going to, if it's going to, I guess, hinder your life in any sort of significant way, then I probably wouldn't advise that. Uh, I think that it has shown that really once you start investing and once you start finding your groove and what's going to work for you, those things, as far as making up for lost time, some of that you can overcome by being more aggressive, but unfortunately some of it you can't and that's just, that's okay. But one of the things that Andrew and I have talked a little bit about, and I'm going to try to mention more as we go forward with this is we have social security as a additional benefit that will help us in retirement. And a lot, not a lot of people think about that. And depending on the income that you've made in the course of your life and when you retire and how old you are, a lot of those things have a bearing on this, but that's an extra amount of money that you can help you pay for things as we get closer to retirement or end are in retirement. So that's, I don't want to say a safety net, but in essence it is, and it's, it's there to help us. But we also have to think about what it is that we're investing in and how we're going to be, be going about doing that. And you have to be smart about it, but you also have to be, I guess, aggressive about it if that's something that you're comfortable with. But I think you have to think about those kinds of things in, realize what it is your goal is and how you want to go about doing that. But by all means, you have to think about your risk appetite and how much you can handle that. If you're one of those people that can't handle the ups and downs and getting on those big roller coasters and going down really fast, uh, if you're the person that likes to sit in the front, then, hey, be more aggressive. If you're the person that likes to sit in the back where it's a little slower, I think, personally, then you know that's that's okay, too. So I think it really comes down to what your risk appetite is and how aggressive you really want to be with either putting more money into the market or using more aggressive styles of stocks, I guess. I really like that idea of being more aggressive, maybe with your personal finances versus necessarily doing that with stocks. I would just say if if you are going to be very aggressive with your approach, you know, trying to find the next Google, Amazon, Facebook type company that your level of aggression your level of effort needs to match your level of aggressiveness and you really need to you know ideally your your level of skill and expertise should be there too i i think you know i I think it can be done for certain individuals but at the same time take biting off more than you can chew can really shoot yourself in the foot and dig yourself into a deeper hole particularly if 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 you don't know what you're doing or you don't know what you don't know that you're doing or not doing. So maybe it's a, it's a, it's a thought process of what's the dip, what's, what's the ROI here between if I'm more aggressive from a personal finance perspective versus uh, a stock investment perspective, what, what, how does my personality fit into that? What do I enjoy doing? What, makes me feel accomplished and and keeps me energized moving forward you know if if these things are draining your energy or you know if it's 
like Dave said, causing you not to be able to sleep at night. Um, even like George was, it, I think it was George Soros, brilliant dude, just made a ton of money, and he was. Was it George Soros or was it Stuckenberger? I can't remember exactly who it was. It was one of the guys who just made a ton of money. But basically, whenever he had too much risk and he was doing these trades, like he, this guy was leveraged a lot. But, you know, when he took it too far to the extreme, literally his body would ache and it would get sore. And that's how he would know that he needed to change his, his portfolio. And so, you know, if that's, if that sounds like a nice trade-off for you, then go ahead, I guess. I, I think there there's a balance there and there's a lot of opportunity. I like I would just be cautious and, and try to really be thoughtful about it. But th- there's also a lot of great things that can happen in the stock market too. I I really I have a lot of reasons to believe that we still have a lot of prosperity left ahead of us. And that goes for whether you're in the US, you're in the UK like Christian is here. I I just think that business is is at such a great point right now and there's still so many innovations and and so much growth happening. And a lot of people can get really wealthy if they put the time and effort into it. But that's not to say it's easy and you know easy come, easy go. So try try to try to be wise about it, I think, establish the right habits and then try to find what fits your personality. I think most people who listen to our show just in general kind of act that way anyways. It's the kind of questions we seem to get. seems to indicate that most people are doing that anyway. So that's what I would suggest. As far as being in the UK and, and whether investing in US stocks is a good idea or not, we might cover that next episode. Spoiler alert. Uh, we might have a special guest with us, or we might not. But you know, uh, each country is different. So whether you are in the UK, in Germany, China, Japan, or Canada, and you're trying to invest in the US, keep in mind that tax laws are different. And so sometimes there can be double taxation where you could be taxed by your home country. You could also be taxed by the US. But there's also tax advantage accounts too. So it's really depends on your situation. Um, but there's a lot of benefit to investing in US stocks, depending on which company or industry you're looking in. Um, so I think it's worth looking into, but I can't give you a blanket statement on whether it's worth it for you or not. Yeah, I, I can't. I, I don't know enough about markets outside of the United States and how all the ins and outs of that would work. Uh, so I'm probably not a good resource for that. But yeah, I think uh, next week we might have some answers for you. So uh, just hang tight on that idea until next week. All right, folks. So well, that is going to wrap up our discussion for this evening. I wanted to thank Tim, Dan, and Christian for taking the time to write us their fantastic questions. Uh, this is a lot of fun, and Andrew and I really enjoy uh, taking some time to try to answer your guys' questions on the air, and hopefully you guys find some good suggestions and good ideas from the things that we're talking about. So without any further ado, I'm going to go ahead and sign us off. You guys go out there and invest with a margin of safety, emphasis on the safety. Have a great week, and we'll talk to you all next week. We hope you enjoyed this content. Seven Steps to Understanding the Stock Market shows you precisely how to break down the numbers in an engaging and readable way. 
with real-life examples. Get access today at stockmarketpdf.com. Until next time, have a prosperous day. The information contained is for general information and educational purposes only. It is not intended for a substitute for legal, commercial, and or financial advice from a licensed professional. Review our full disclaimer at einvestingforbeginners.com. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at ChumpaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.